Okay, so welcome to Consuming Crime. I know it's been a while, but we're back. Yeah, it's awkward. What's up, guys? It's been a minute. <laughs> a lot's been going on. You know, the coronavirus. Um, the um, Kobe, rest in peace. Kobe. World War Three. World War Three. Impeachment. Oh my God, it's a long January. Yeah, I it's... thought it went by fast, but never mind. Yeah, a lot of people have been saying that it's going really slow, so... I mean, it's a, it's a month, but... All I have to say is what's really going on. Yeah. What's you know? the real conspiracy? Yeah. We should make another podcast for conspiracy TikTok's stuff. getting big. That's strange. TikTok? T- you guys. TikTok is... Get on it. You get... Like, stop listening to this podcast. Pause it. Go download it. Immediately. Ignore her. Please listen to the <laughs> podcast. And then after, go download that. If you feel the need to do no, so. do it. <laughs> so, I wait, guess... Wait, wait, wait. Really quick. Before, before we get into the, the case for today... Uh, Make sure you guys, I'm going to start saying this in the beginning of the podcast, make sure you guys give us five stars wherever you're listening. We will be on Pandora in four to six weeks. Um, I will let you guys know when that happens. And other than that, I believe that's all the announcements. We post on Wednesdays and that's it, right? Yeah. All right. Cool. Seems like that's it. Okay. Okay, guys. So today we're going to be starting um, talking about the murders of Brittany and Crystal. So, Sheriff Danny Kitchen was on duty on the morning of March 7, 2014. The sheriff was on his way to work at 7.42 a.m. when he heard a call come through from a delivery man making his route into Port Bolivar. And Port Bolivar is this port in Texas. So, it's, okay. it's near, um, I want to say Houston? Houston. You said 2017? Um, this is 2014, March mm-hmm. 7th. Okay. Okay. So we're, we're in March 7, 2014. Um, Officer Danny Kitchen is on his way to do his duty to go to work. And around 7.42, he hears a call coming through from this delivery man. And the man was making his route again in Port Bolivar. And he was just start, he startled upon something that looked like a mannequin. They always... It's never a mannequin. I know, but I feel like you just want to believe so bad it's a mannequin. Maybe it's just denial. Yes, so he started to pull on a mannequin, and he gets a little closer, and of course, it wasn't. He re- he realized that they were actually dead bodies, so the sheriff was rushed to the scene as fast as he could. Okay, so the only way to get through from the city of Gavelston, where um, the sheriff is working at, to Port Bolivar, where the delivery man is and where he found the bodies, is to go through a ferry. Okay. So he rushed on it, and the ferry there is security there, so it, it kind of does take a while. And according to the reporter that was telling the story, there's like not much out there. So this port, it's like literally like kind of just like a landmass, and I guess they just do like deliveries, they ship stuff from there. There's about like three, four buildings, it's a very desolate area. So mm. the fact that, you know, the bodies were there, it automatically was kind of assumed that they were dumped there, like the yeah. actual, you know. The officer arrives, and the location where the bodies were found was um, at Fisherman Cove store. The sheriff knew the case would be a tough one because there was, like, nothing around the bodies. It was just two bodies in this random area where it's very desolate. And as he got closer, he was able to see that the bodies were of two women. Their bodies were, like, strangely intertwined. Like, they were, like... Like, placed in a certain way? or Yeah. Just, like, just kind of, like, either... I mean, if you really want to get it... I think the officer just thought it was strange because I feel like usually when you dump a bot, like... They you, just land how they, they land. Land They're how not they intertwined. So okay. he thought it was strange that they looked like they were kind of, like, one leg was up through the other one, the arm was, like, over the other. Interesting. So he thought it was pretty strange. 
One of the women was laying on her back and she had what looked like a shotgun wound to the right temple with an exit wound coming from her left ear. The other was laying on her stomach and had sheet over her head. Her eyes were swollen and face heavily bruised and it appeared to investigators that she was the victim of some sort of like blunt force trauma. Mm. So, for so pit- she didn't have a gunshot? No. So one was <laughs> one was brutally beaten and she was like covered with a sheet. Oh. And then the other one, the gunshot to her head. Um, the one who actually was brutally beaten, her skull was actually broken up and it was just at that point like overkill. It was obviously Damn. very angry. I wonder if maybe she was more mouthy to the. I mean, I don't want to sound like harsh, yeah. but like if you think if, if assuming the person didn't know them and they were random, yeah. then whoever gets beaten worse, I feel like would be the one yeah. that they were pissed at. Yeah. You know what I mean? It makes sense. Yeah. So at this point, because she was so badly beaten, investigators assumed that it was personal, which you know it makes sense. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. So they began to search the area for any clues. One of the investigators ended up finding a piece of wood that looked like it would have been like a window shutter, mm-hmm. and it had blood in front of it. As investigators closed, they were actually able to find a piece of paper like wrapped across the top of the um, shutter, and they picked that up also. Both items were collected, and they also found tire marks, which they, you know, took the... What is it called? Like the, the, the tread marks? Yeah, the tread marks. I feel like with that, maybe they can find tire size, get, like, roughly the kind of car, maybe. So, detectives couldn't identify the victims because they had no wallet idea nearby. But they soon ended up finding some mail that was tossed not too far from the victims with the name listed as Brittany Cosby. Investigators were able to find the address on the envelope, and they just headed straight to where they believed Brittany Cosby had lived. Upon arriving... Brittany's great-grandmother, Annie Lee Cosby, confirmed that Brittany was her granddaughter and confirmed that she had been missing for the last day or so. Mm. Brittany's dad then also arrived as police officers broke the news to Annie Lee. Her father, James Cosby, obviously began to question detectives in regards to what had happened to the daughters. The father began to weep, but detectives stated that they needed their help identifying the other victim. So, James identified the other victim as Crystal Jackson. Um, and apparently Crystal and Brittany were dating. So they were oh, they, they were, were lesbians and they were girlfriends and they actually had been together for a while. So it was pretty serious. It wasn't like a fling. They were together for two years. Aww. And Crystal had a daughter that was five years old and her name was Anaya. As far as her great-grandmother and her dad would can describe Brittany, they described her as outgoing. She was loved. She loved movies. She loved pickles. She loved to laugh. I was Same. like, pickles. Girl, you're my girl. Same. <laughs> so detectives began to ask James more about like the last moments they saw Brittany. And James told detective that Brittany and Crystal left the house around 7.30 a.m. that morning for work. It was their morning routine when they had Zaniah because Crystal would stay at Brittany's house quite often, you know. Okay, and so then, Brittany did live with like her family. Yeah, so okay. Brittany lived with her family and Crystal like, tend to stay there, like, quite often. And James, the father, has stated that he almost viewed Crystal as, like, a daughter. hmm And then Crystal's daughter would stay there when she had the daughter because she would sometimes stay at Crystal's parents' house. Okay. So with her grandparents. Mm-hmm. So this morning, they did have Zania, and they would wake up, as I mentioned, around 7.30 in the morning to, like, go take her to school. But this morning was different because they didn't take Zania with her. 
like with them. So according to James, he thought that maybe they had gone to the store or something real quick in the morning before they had to take the night to school, but they just never came back. But he saw them leave. He saw them leave, but he didn't. He thought they took Zaniya, the little girl, with yeah. them. So then, so Zaniya goes into James' room, pretty much like he, she needed to write for school. That's crazy. So that means wherever they went, they knew they couldn't bring their daughter. Yeah, so that's what he's, he's saying is strange. So then James actually ended up just calling Zaniya's um, grandparents. So Crystal's parents, and they, they picked him, the little girl. Okay, so now... You know, James stated that they just never came back. So with the identity of Crystal, investigators go look for her parents for any clues. Ivan and Mary Jackson are the parents of Crystal. And of of course, like both parents were shocked. According to them, Crystal was kind and she was very, very loved. When police asked Ivan about Crystal's relationship with Brittany, the investigation took a different turn. So according to Ivan, Crystal's father, he would actually not let Brittany into the house. And when he did, she would have to just stay in the living room. So on one hand, James, Brittany's dad, claimed to like love and, you know, care be about- accepting yeah, of his daughter Yeah, be accepting about girlfriend. his daughter's sexual relations and whatever. But Ivan, Crystal's dad, opposed those views. He did not agree so with it. So it's not because he didn't like Brittany as a person. He just, did, he was like homophobic, basically. Yes, pretty much. Okay. So as we get into it right here, we'll see that. I was going to say, like, I wonder yeah. if the intertwining of their bodies was some sort of like homophobic symbol. I don't know. I mean, getting too deep. We'll Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So as I mentioned, once investigators spoke to Ivan, they soon came to realize that Ivan did not feel the same way about Brittany. So he would not let Brittany into the house. And when he did, she would not be able to go into a room. Wow. Ivan did not believe her daughter was actually lesbian and believed she was just confused. Oh he did not approve of it. Ivan was actually a local preacher in his town and was actually well-known. And it was well-known to everybody that he does not approve of homosexuality. So Ivan then stated that he believed Brittany would do something to hurt Crystal. And that night that they actually didn't never went back to the Cosby's place. He wanted to go check on her at the Cosby's to make sure she was okay. He stated to Crystal that that girl would be the cause of your death. So Ivan then admitted he wanted to go to the Cosby's residence with a gun to scare both girls. But his wife, Mary, talked him out of it. Ivan was listed as a potential suspect because of that statement. His gun was taken for evidence and investigators later just met with Mary Jackson. He said that to the cops? Yeah. She was asked if Crystal or Brittany had any potential enemies or anyone that would current was currently mad at them. And she said no. Investigators then asked about Crystal's baby daddy. And his name is Reginald Jackson. Mary claimed that after the, the baby, the relationship dwindled. Investigators tracked down Reggie. And he said that he had never seen her. And claimed that the last time he ever saw her was when he ran into her at a store like a month ago. And... Crystal was actually with Brittany, and that was that. Investigators still obtained a DNA sample from him and then went to check out his alibi that he was at home with his mom. So now we're four days after the bodies were discovered, March 11th, when a man calls the Gavlison Police Department with an unexpected tip. The man claimed that he was walking down the road when he came upon a wallet with the name Brittany Cosby. The man returned the wallet to the address, and when he saw the whole case on the news, he decided to call the police. The wallet was found about a mile and a half from the Cosby residence. Police now began to trace down the victim's last moment from Houston to 50 miles away where the bodies were found. 
Police believe the crime scene was close to the location of where the wallet was found. They began to look for locations with cameras to see if they would be able to catch the victim's car, and they end up having a hit at a convenience store. But you could only see the vehicle and not who's driving it, which must be so frustrating. <sighs> Shout out to Verkata. <laughs> oh yeah, our, our sponsor. Just kidding. That would be cool. Security yeah. cameras that you can actually see what people yeah. look like. But anyway. okay, so investigators were not able to identify who was actually driving the vehicle. So then investigators get that that brilliant idea <laughs> to check the cameras of the vehicles heading to, into the port. Around nine o'clock at night, they see Brittany's vehicle in the footage and they see a man getting out of the car. So obviously they knew that at that point, the girls were already gone. In the video, you see the vehicle pulling in and the vehicle was actually found flagged down by a security guard because the headlight wasn't working. And a male stepped out of the vehicle, but of course, the video was grainy, so all they were able to really tell was that he was tall and slender. Oh. Police tracked down the security guard and investigators began to interview him. Um, they just asked him about his job description. He just told them that his job consists of making sure everything's okay <laughs> and checking out anything that looks unusual. Typical security job. So they asked him if he was able to identify the certain vehicle, and he actually was. He claimed that the man had a mustache and was like either his like late 20s, early 30s, and the man looked neat and put together. And the only reason the security guard claimed to remember this guy was because he like seemed really, really nervous. And he didn't seem to be familiar with the car. Like he struggled to get off the ferry. And the security guard actually ended up providing enough information for a composite sketch to be done. And investigators released the sketch to friends and family and hoped that he would look familiar to someone. But unfortunately, no one was able to identify the sketch. As another blow, Reginald Zanaya's dad was actually able to be ruled out because he did not fit the overall description of the suspect. So right now it's like a blow to investigators because the sketch didn't work. And then the one person they kind of, one of the people they thought that could have been a good suspect is ruled out because he wasn't the height or the, the body type that they saw on camera. Yeah, or the mustache probably. Or the mustache. <laughs> So they began to question more friends and acquaintance, acquaintances that were close to the family. And they meet Cara. and they meet Cora, who was the caretaker of Annie Lee, Brittany's great grandmother, who we had met earlier in the story. She was close to the family and she knew the house very well. Although she wasn't able to recognize the man in the sketch, she was able to provide some information that investigators did not expect. She mentioned that she started to notice that the house did not look normal. The carport where the cars were usually parked was clean, and according to Cora, it was never clean. She claimed that even though she had her son pick up trash here and there to help the family, there was always, like, debris and just, like, trash, you know? And she thought it was strange that it was, like, spotless. No dust, no nothing. So somebody at Brittany's house clean really well. Yes. That's sus. Super sus. T. The detective took the information and began to look around the carport and found five random bricks. He thought it was strange because they just the bricks just did not go there. So as he got closer, he noticed blood splatter on one of them. Mm, what? Yes. Okay. And while all this was going on, as far as the investigators kind of searching through the Cosby's house, there was a vigil for the two girls being held. And while this is going on also, the warrant was authorized for the investigators to search the Cosby home. On the other hand, forensic teams 
We're also working on the evidence that was found earlier with the bodies. Remember that one piece the of the... sill and then the, the, the sheet? Yeah, so it was the sheet and then it was um, like what looked like a window shutter. And then they were able to get um, a fingerprint off this like letter that was found too. So then they have the fingerprint, the shutter, the sheet. And as everything started to come together, investigators were able to match the shutter with one that was also found at the scene at the Cosby house. So the Cosby's home was missing a shutter and that shutter they had found fit perfectly. What? So I'm going crazy. I literally put that. I'm going crazy. (laughs) I don't even, I don't even, I don't even have a theory. I can't suspect the dad. The dad was lit. The mom was, I don't, I mean, (laughs) it's Cora. It's always the nanny. It's always the nanny. So the investigation continues and that fingerprint they had lifted from that like mail or that letter they found was had a hit. And the results sent chills down my spine and investigators. <laughs> On March 12, 2014, at 7.30 p.m., as the memorial service for the girls was coming to an end, officers approached James Cosby, Brittany's father. They brought him to the station and began to read him his Miranda rights. At that moment, he knew he was being detained. James claimed... If I learned anything from watching these shows, you reading the Miranda right, you reading me the Miranda rights is a sign that you're arresting me. Like who says that? I don't even I don't even have like I'm sorry, I know this is a <laughs> podcast and you guys can't see my face, but I'm like No, I'm in denial. No, keep going, keep going. No way. Um, according to investigators, he seemed um, blank face. There is a clip from this documentary, guys, so we will add it to the website just so you guys can actually see like the actual interrogation. So the, the investigators begin to explain to him that they found his prints, and he seems very relaxed, asking like, oh, "Okay, well, like, where'd you find it?" And then they just started to lay out more evidence: the blood splatter everywhere in the house. So when they do the luminol, they were able to see, like, he literally said it looked like a rave of how much, like, blood there was in the house. And it belonged to Brittany and Crystal. Brittany. Brittany. Yeah. Uh, and she was the one that got beaten, so it would be her blood. Yeah. So Brittany was the one that got beaten, aka that this is his daughter. No way. Yes. Okay. I'm into now. <laughs> so, yes, as I mentioned, they laid out the fact that they knew there was blood splatter around the house. Okay, after nearly six hours, the detectives were just kind of, like, getting getting frustrated. And then they just, they kind of, they popped out. They're like, look, we know you used, like, your own sheets to wrap your daughter's face. James then mumbled, that's the sheet I sleep on, or the sheets I used to sleep on. So, the nanny. No, like, all he had to say was... Like, so the, here, the best thing, if you, okay, you guys have to watch the interrogation. So the investigator is saying, like, you use the sheet that you like, sleep on. Yeah, like, he we said, know you did it. You used the, you, the sheets that you would sleep on are wrapped around your daughter's dead body. And if I didn't do it, I'd probably say something like... And he literally, all he had to say calmly was like, yeah, that, those are the sheets I sleep on or the sheets I used to sleep on because the investigators actually showed him pictures. So then what did he say? That was it. Like, that was his only comment. So, he never wanted to admit that he did it. He wouldn't confess. And when they asked him why he did it, he just said he doesn't know either. He didn't know why he did it? Yeah. So, police, like, theorized that 
maybe there was just an altercation and then it went bad and he killed Brittany and because Crystal was there and she was a witness, he shot Crystal. I think that's kind of, how do you go from being fine to an altercation to beating your daughter the way you did? And Wait, so he really did it? He did it. What? Yeah. What? What? He did you it. hit your daughter in the face with a brick multiple times and then he- bro bro how i have no idea and this was so frustrating to me because <sighs> i was on edge this whole documentary like i thought it was ivan i thought it was crystal's dad because he just was ashamed of his daughter being a lesbian so this whole time i was like okay ivan did it because he doesn't want to have that daughter tied to his like he's a preacher I feel the only reason I didn't think it was him is because if he did do it, why would he make himself look bad by telling him the cops that he threatened her? But like sometimes people are idiots, so I was like really like true. leaning towards that because that would make more sense. Yeah. So then I find out like you guys should have seen me. I was going crazy during this documentary. I find out that they arrest James, and I was just dying to know why. I was like, okay, why did he do it? Like, like in denial, like how I was. Like, yeah, no like way. just like, kind of like, did did you like? Did she know something you didn't want her to know? Like, was there an underlying, like, you know? No, this guy throughout the whole was just quiet. He didn't even break. And the only time he said anything was when there was actual pictures shown, and the pictures were thrown. Investigators were so frustrated, like, look at your daughter. And the only thing he commented, like, oh yeah, those are my sheets. Like that's all he had to say. And then they asked him, like, why'd you do it? And then he just said, I don't know either. I don't know why I did it either. And then he never really, like, wanted to confess, confess, like, actual tell the story about what happened. And he would see photos of the way his daughter looked and just be like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Like, he just, like, it was weird. And that's his biological daughter? Yeah. What the f***? And, um... So, yeah, he never wanted to admit it. So one of the theories was that, that there was just an altercation, which I, I really don't Nothing believe so. Nothing is that serious. Yes. Others think it's because um, Brittany's great-grandmother, I guess she did have, like, some money left and whatever. When she passes away, all that stuff would have gone to Brittany. Yeah, but he wouldn't... I don't think he would have killed her. I think he would have just done the shotgun on both of them yeah. if that was really the case. You know I what I mean? Know. But to beat her, I feel like it, there must have been yeah. something emotional. And it was sad. It was it was a hit for, like, Brittany's family. Like, his own sister, James' sister, just couldn't believe it. She's like, I was so hurt that my brother killed my niece. Like, I, they had a really good relationship, so it's just sad. problems that you know of? No. Not what that they the mentioned. They, they were just kind of like, what? Because he was kind of like, he was there for everything. He was there for the vigils. He was there for the funeral, acting like normal. So... It was just crazy. Wow. That's wild, dude. And then during the documentary, they do go in more into depth about Ivan and how he was cleared. And What was your source? So all of this, guys, was, if you guys do want to watch the documentary, what I recommend was from the show Someone You Thought You Knew episode The Secrets You Keep. And you can find this on Investigation Discovery. Wow. Yeah, guys. Sometimes it'd be the ones you know. You never really know anyone ever. <sighs> it's so true. I don't know. It is very I true. Mean, like, maybe he had, I don't know what the issue was, but that was my case, guys. All right, guys. Well, that was it for this week's episode of Consuming Crime. Um, again, make sure you give us a like wherever you're listening. And um, 
There was another thing I wanted to add to the intros, but I can't remember. So I'll just say it next time. Thanks for listening and thanks for consuming crime with us. Toodles. Bye. Okay. I like that one. Pretty smooth for me. <laughs>